I am discovering me. Discovering me. My identity was hidden, taken from me, long before my ancestors began hanging from trees. The serpent, he was the real thief, deceiving my sister Eve. He made me forget I was royalty. My father is a king. I am the daughter of the everlasting, loving, omniscient three. He came to give me life. This world wants to take it away. He never intended for it to be this way. Free will, a blessing, and a curse. Say my name. My life matters. God said it first. Discovering me. Redefining my identity. Made fearfully and wonderfully, flaws and all, my destiny was altered when I heard his call. I can't see where I'm going, but I know what I'm leaving behind. My faith is blind, lamps at my feet as I shoulder his load. I feel light, I see life as I walk the Samaritan road. So this is your host, Nori, of the Discovering Me podcast, and today I have Paul Granger on the show. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, hello. So I'm Paul Granger. Uh, You know, it's funny, whenever people introduce themselves, we're conditioned to introduce ourselves by our name and our job. Yes. And God's put me in a unique situation in which I don't have a normal job and haven't for a few years. After losing my job a few years ago, God invited me to just explore what it looked like just to live for him. And I'm like, well, that's what I've been doing, right? He's like, no, 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 I want to push you a little more into that. So I'm basically full-time ministry. I do serve alongside youth with a mission, YWAM, and serve in our community. But more than that, I'm realizing that it's less about what do I functionally do during work hours and more about how am I an ambassador of Christ, both when I'm doing vocational things, when I'm sitting on my porch, when I'm in my home, And so that's who I am. I'm Paul Granger. I'm an ambassador of Christ and still learning what exactly that means. That's awesome. I love that. I feel like that's perfectly in line with where I'm at. I also recently left my job mostly for mental health issues, but it's been a very, it's only been about four or five months. So that's kind of how I got into this podcast, how I started just Mm kind of was like, all right, God, where are we going? What are we doing? And so I'm kind of on my own crazy faith journey, trying to figure out exactly what my life is going to look like. Um, I just bought a house at the beginning of this year with my husband. Congratulations. So, wow, big you. deal. <laughs> yeah, so not having a job is kind of overwhelming. Yeah. But God is honestly taking care of me throughout the whole process. So it's been great. Um, yeah. So you have this idea of embracing, embracing crazy faith and what that looks like. So I'd like to hear it. I saw on your page, you're talking about embracing crazy faith has gotten you your house and all these different things. So I'd love to hear those stories. Yeah. Yeah. So even at the start, when we say crazy faith, you know, what do we, what do we mean by that? So we all think we know what faith means. And so, oh yeah, you know, I believe in God and I believe God can do things. And we all know what crazy means. <laughs> I mean, crazy is out there, unusual. And when you mix the two together, you know, I think it's, we'll talk about it one way when we're in the church setting. Oh yeah. I believe that God could heal this. I believe that God could do that. I believe that God will accomplish But when we're in our own minds, when we're in our everyday lives, when it's actually starting to cost us or threaten our understanding of life, crazy starts to seem even crazier. Right. And faith starts to feel even harder. Yes. And so there's been so many moments in my life where as I've learned to uh, listen for God's voice, to look for God in everyday life, 
uh, I began to get more and more senses of invitations that God's giving to step into the crazy and to have faith in who he is and what he can do. Not just what I want him to do, mm-hmm. what I'll hope he will do, but what he can do. Right. And so the first time that this phrase actually really kind of solidified itself in my vocabulary was in 2016. Uh, I was working for a ministry at the time. My wife was part-time working for a church. So our income wasn't huge, but we were able to pay a mortgage. We had two kids at the time. And there's a longer story. And I have a podcast, Where Do You See God?, where I flesh out the story in two episodes because there's so much and that didn't even (laughs) capture it all. But here's the quick hit. We uh, were in a place where we were doing fine, but we were very close to, if not operating a little in the red. Like we weren't really bringing in as much as we were putting out. So we were having to make some adjustments. So kind of caught me off guard when one day uh, God brought about this house that was just around the corner from ours and invited us to pursue it. And I was like, God, we don't have the money for that. Uh, I don't want to buy a house. (laughs) Like I like where we're living now, like all these reasons I've been sitting on all these things. And when the invitation came though, it was so clear that even though prior to that, I was a hard no mm-hmm. in that moment, it was so clear. I was like, all right. But the invitation was this. I felt like I was saying, I want you to pursue the house and I'm not promising you're going to get it. So that's a whole other level, right? right? Because <laughs> then what is this all about? But it was just this sense that God was giving this invitation into going towards him, not towards mm-hmm. a house, but going towards him. Now, this house was built in 1905. And so it was, it was old. So, you know, it's going to need some work. The guy who was living in it tried to do a lot of his own work, which was not a good idea. I'm talking like in the attic, instead of there being a junction box for the wires, he just wrapped them around with duct tape, you know, small things like that. (laughs) And so there was going to be a lot of work that would need to be put into it. And he was a little overzealous on what he thought he could get for it and was easily hundreds of thousands of dollars more. So it's, hundreds of thousands overpriced. It is going to need, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars worth of work to get it into right shape. And we don't have that money. Right. Right. (laughs) But God said, I want you to pursue the house. So I'm like, all right, here we go. And that entered us into this six month process of pursuing this house that I didn't want in the first place. We Mm -hmm. couldn't afford. It was too expensive and would need a lot of work. But along the way, as we saw more and more and more impossible moments, and that's where the crazy comes in. This is crazy for us to do this. Right. The faith part showed so many moments where God revealed himself as God and good and present and creative and working. But it was this constant learning experience for me because about three months into it, we had already invested some money into this. Mm-hmm. We had already invested a lot of time. We had gotten emotionally involved in this and started to dream about this house because it's a beautiful house. Right. It's one that we had passed by for years thinking, wow, God could do so much for the community through this house. Because in the work that we're doing, we're, we're serving very heavily in like community-focused ministry. And so it's like this house, wow, a ministry could really use this. We weren't thinking of us, but now that we're starting to think of us living there, we're like, what could God do through us in this house? And remember one day we hit this moment where it was like, it's, it's done. Like only right. a miracle is going to make this happen. Here's the humor of God where we were living at the time. Uh, my kitchen window faced towards the house. The house <laughs> is only, you know, if you 
go a straight shot, like just a block away. Uh-huh. And it's tall enough that it was just over the trees. And it was the first thing that the sun would hit in the morning. So I'm making my morning eggs so just distraught and heartbroken. And I look out the window and there illuminated is the top of the house. <laughs> and I start to just think, how am I going to react if like we're, we, we just, there's nothing we can do. So what if some other family moves into this house and then we're seeing them all the time and I'm just feeling low and God's like, Hey, what were you pursuing this whole time? Me mm. or the house? Cause it sure sounds like you were pursuing the house because if you were pursuing me, the house doesn't even matter. Right. That's right. just the side thing. And that really hit me that I was like, yep. At some point my heart had started to shift. Now, even in that moment, I was still deeply trying to seek God. All of this was about seeking God. I had just put some things in place where I was going to have to take a pretty substantial step of faith. So I was seeking God. And yet it was very clear that my heart ever so slightly Ooh. was seeking something else. Right. And that was a really important moment for me because it reminded me of how Jesus says, we have to die to everything. Right. And he gets pretty strict about it too, right? You need to hate your father and hate mm -hmm. your mother and hate your children and hate your life. Like stuff that does not seem Christ-like. Right, right. Eat right. does not seem Christ-like. But what Jesus is trying to emphasize to us is if there is anything that has a claim on your heart, a claim on your life, in addition to Christ, mm. then it, we're not going to be all for Christ. Right. But if we are all for Christ, then everything else seek first the kingdom of God is righteousness and all these things will follow or, right, right. you know, whoever seeks his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for the kingdom will gain it. Right. Like Jesus knows that if we actually seek him fully, then all the rest <laughs> is going right. to come. And our understanding of what that rest should be is going to shift as well. And so exactly, my heart shifted and we got to a place where like, all right, this isn't about the house. God said, pursue this house, but I'm not promising you'll get it. So whatever happens, we're just going to keep on going on this journey. Still plenty of hard moments, still plenty of impossible moments, but also still moments where God just showed off in mm -hmm. some really fun and really subtle and really big ways. And in the end, uh, on a day that would be, if I had to choose one day in the year, that would be the worst day for me to have to close on a house. That was the day we got our keys. <laughs> so it was another <laughs> moment. I was like, oh God, you're funny. Uh, and and there's so much more to that story, but that was a really important experience in my life where I had tried to, I had had, you know, crazy faith before, but that was one of the biggest moments of right. stepping into what does it look like to actually have faith in a crazy way, in a way that is illogical, that makes mm -hmm. no sense, that you can't explain to other people, that other people look at it and actually worry about you. Like, what does it look like to actually be willing to step into that level of faith right. because we're stepping towards God and because we believe that God is God, and God is good. Right. And right. it was almost like that was God's way of setting me up for more and more and more crazy steps of faith, because I was 2017, a year later, God gave me a heads up that I was going to lose my job. Five years at a ministry was it with a ministry that's very community focused. Uh, so I was working alongside people who are also my friends and my neighbors, and we also went to the same church together. So oh, cool. losing a job in that kind of setting is very hard, right. Right. <laughs> not just right. leading up to it, not just in the moment, but after that. And God gave me a heads up that I needed to trust him. And one of the crazy steps of faith there is, you know, my boss recognized at the time my wife was pregnant with our third child. So he recognized that I would need to get another job. So he's like, okay, for your last uh, few weeks here. If you need to job search, that's fine. And 
But God said, nah, I don't want you to job search. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, you know, I'm I, I'm a, a husband and a father. I have right. a home. Actually, and this is a whole other story. We had the home that I just described. But God told us not to sell the other house. So we're paying two mortgages. Oh, no. <laughs> Again, still working in ministry. So the money God's having to provide for that. And I'm like, so I kind of need an income. But of course, my brain, God has been trying to renew my mind. And so I realized what my mind was saying. And I realized that I actually don't need money. I need God. So if God's mm-hmm. telling me not to pursue a job, all right, God. So not only did he not want me to pursue a job the first month so that I could like not have a gap in income. The next month, he's like, I want you to take a sabbatical with me. Just take a month to spend time with me. No job searching for two months. Then I wasn't job searching. Uh, And then after that, I felt like I was saying, you know, I want you to do your due diligence, you know, put your stuff in all that kind of stuff, but don't stress about it. So I ended up being unemployed for six months. Not a single bill went unpaid. In fact, we didn't even have to scale back our life at all. Christmas fell in the midst of that. We didn't wow. have to scale back on Christmas. My wife, when she was in her third uh, trimester, was in a place. She's like, is this, a, uh, is this a, just a rough pregnancy? I need right. a massage or I need to get my nails or something like that. So like frugal mind already, I don't understand massages. <laughs> but if we're, we are at half our income, like we can't do it. And God's like, nope, I want you to love her by letting her do whatever she needs to do. So right. So like we're now adding things. Right, right. The money somehow is there. I ended up going into the hospital for a week unexpectedly. I wasn't even sick, by the way. I passed out <laughs> in a restaurant. They ended up taking me to the hospital, but I walked myself to the ambulance. I'm fine by the time I get an ambulance, but because there's a history of heart issue in my family, mm. I ended up being there longer because they wanted to do some tests. So I was in the hospital for a week and I was completely fine. <laughs> completely oh, healthy, wow. but now I'm thinking, oh man, we got the bills coming up now. My cat had to have dental surgery, right? We had car <laughs> issues, all these things. Every single bill got paid Wow! because God wanted me to have some crazy faith around, hey, instead of the normal logical thing, you lose your job, but you're a, a husband, a father, a homeowner, you need to get a job. God's invitation to crazy faith was, what if you didn't? Mm. <laughs> and then at the end of that six months, I stepped into full-time, fully support-based ministry. Right? Wow. And so I have not had a traditional paycheck since August of 2018. Right. But every bill has been paid. And on top of that, then God invited our family to another crazy step of faith where uh, I, you know, serving with YWAM, if you want to come on staff, they have this thing called a discipleship training school and all staff go through that before they can become full-time staff. Well, that's normally like 18, 19, 20-year-olds. They're on their own single, so they can do that. And you right. do three months in a location, and then you do three months serving somewhere in the world. Well, I'm not a young, single 18-year-old. Right, I'm a, right. a father and a husband and a homeowner, so I can't just pick up and disappear for six months. And I can't leave my family for six months. Right. <laughs> well, there's a longer story to this, but they have a family DTS, and we could do this as a whole family. Well, this wasn't in my wife's plans. And, I, and when this first was proposed, that was not right. <laughs> on her radar at all. But then one day God moved in her and I came home and she's like, hey, so I started looking into family DTS. It's like, this was a 180. Wow. And in just a short span of time, just a few months, we found ourselves again with like a fraction of the income of what we used to have. My wife felt like I was inviting her to leave her job. And then we picked up and went and did a family DTS together 
And the location where God invited us to do it was the YWAM location in Hawaii. So wow, we lived in Hawaii for three months. That's amazing. We didn't have the money, right? right? And God paid every single bill. Wow. And, and this is the thing is on the front end, when we think about crazy faith, when we get to a place where we're willing to engage that, usually at the front end, we're still at a place where we're thinking about the things that we hope God will do. Right. The, the things that we want him to fix the things that we want him to give us. Sometimes those are great things, but again, that's some heart attachments, some right. desire attachments. And what God's inviting us into is that there'd be nothing but him. Mm. And while there are so many great things that God has done in these years of stepping more and more into crazy faith, that has been the most valuable thing right. is how can I recognize that I could have absolutely nothing and have mm. everything in God? Right. How can I be in a place where I'm okay with losing, you know, money, losing reputation, losing, you know, relationships, losing opportunities. If God's inviting me somewhere, because I know that whatever he invites me into is going to be abundantly more than anything right. I could think of, ask for, imagine. And he has over and over and over shown himself as faithful in that. And yet, I still have to keep on learning because I still have those moments where I'm like, right. oh God, why aren't you fixing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why is this so hard? Right. Because God doesn't want everything to be fixed. He wants us to be his. Mm, I love that. I really feel like I can relate to your story because the last almost five months for me has pretty much been that. Like every month I'm like, I don't know how we're going to pay bills. I don't know what yep. we're going to do. And at the end of every month, everything is taken care of and I have nothing to worry about. And it was recently that I realized that I was like, maybe God is just calling me to rely on him. Like maybe he's just saying, look, I'm taking care of it. What are you freaking out for? So your story, it like, it inspires me because I'm like, okay, amen. Everything's going to be taken care of. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, all right. So I'm, I'm going, like, I feel like I'm on the right path, but to hear your story, it inspires me to keep going and to just keep seeing what God's going to do with it because- mm -hmm. When I left work, it was not planned. It was like, we had yeah. just bought our house early this year. Like we were like, all right, now try to save up our savings again. And even buying the house was totally God because we weren't even thinking about buying a house. Right. But then things just kind of started happening and we were like, okay, and it worked. And so yeah. it's just amazing to hear the way that God is so consistent in how he provides for people. Like he never lets you just fall to the side or you know it's like oh well you'll figure it out like and I like that his way of fixing things is not like ours which I mean obviously the scripture says that but like even what you were saying about how you had thought of it one way and how you were committed to oh I need to get a job to do this or you know I need to go in this direction and God's like no that's not the direction I want you to go in I don't want you to find a job right now I want you to just trust me and I just think that that's amazing and so my question with that is in that, how were you able to persevere through that? Like what kept you going, I guess? Yeah. Well, I mean, immediately what comes to mind is, all right, I'll give the, the simple answer and then I'll flesh it out. Cause the simple is like your, your normal response is perspective. Right. And then we always right. say that like, oh, you got to have the right perspective. But you know, when it comes to perspective, there's one specific thing that I've had to learn that allows us to give ourselves some grace, but also invites us into a really, really hard situation. And that's this, like we can give ourselves some grace because some of the reason that all of this is so hard for us, some of the reason that it's hard for us to persevere is because of what we have been told to believe, conditioned to believe and how the world actually works. 
Right. Because the way the world actually works is you do need money. Right. You pay for things and to get money, you do need a job. And then there's some conditional things like how people will look at you. If you don't have a job, mm -hmm. you're typically looked down on. If you don't right. have a home, you're typically looked down on. If you're not making a lot of money, you're typically looked down on, right? So there's right. all these things that are now shaping our expectations, shaping our perspective, shaping our understanding of what has to be. And one of the things that God taught me with the job thing is when he said not to pursue a job, my gut human response is, but you're supposed to have a job. And he said, are you? <laughs> because if we look at scripture, there's plenty of examples where uh, take the disciples, for example, they had jobs and then right. Jesus invited them into unemployment. Right. right. And this isn't saying that everyone therefore should be unemployed, but what right. it is saying is what if we challenge some of our notions of how things are supposed to be? Hmm. Now, the reason that that is hard is the other thing that I said is there are ways that the world actually does work. Right. You do need money to buy things. But what we need to understand in this is while that is true for the world, God is bigger than the world. God created right. the world. And one example of that is Jesus. And I think it was Peter, one of his disciples were coming up and there were some taxes being collected and they didn't have the money for it. The taxes were required by law to right. pay. You have to pay with money. Jesus just couldn't go up and say, hey, can I pray for you instead of paying you? They wouldn't even <laughs> say they needed money. Jesus knew this. And so he said, hey, go over to that fish and pull money out the fish's mouth, right? Like, right. <laughs> if money is needed, God can provide that. What it sounds like you've experienced and I've experienced is there's sometimes ways that God has provided that money wasn't even changing hands. Right. Because God can provide in ways beyond financial. And so in order for us to persevere through these kind of things and in order for us for to take steps into crazy faith, it's going to require us to challenge our perspective in some really hefty ways. We can right. give ourselves grace because the moments that we're struggling, it's understandable because right. we've been told this is how the world works. We've been told this is who you're supposed to be. This is your identity. Right. So there's some grace, but the challenge is, are we willing to die to all that? Right. Are we willing to die to the expectations? And it gets really hard when even if we come to that place, those around us don't. Right. Because I've experienced that. <laughs> And you probably experienced it too. When you're in unemployment, mm -hmm. there are people that are like, all right, so when are you going to, when are you going right. to get a job? Have you been searching? How, how many jobs have you applied to? And exactly. if you try to tell someone, hi, God told me not to job search. <laughs> well, it's going to be hard. <laughs> right. Uh, when you step into full-time ministry, there are people that are going to be like, oh, that's, that's cute when you're like 20, but you're almost 40 and you got right. a family and a home. Like at some point you need to get a real job. Right. <laughs> but, but what God is inviting us into is not to have the best life here, to fix mm. everything here, to have a comfortable life here. He wants us to have a full life. Right. And he's thinking eternally. And so all this stuff that we're experiencing here is like a blip on the radar compared to what he's looking at. And right. we're getting so bent out of shape over all the stuff happening in the little blip yes. that like, God's like, why are you so worried about that? Why are you being anxious about this? Right. Like, I can provide for you. I can do all that kind of stuff, but I'm trying to do something more. In fact, what I'm inviting you into, you could be content even in the worst of situations. So right. why are you trying right. to avoid the worst situations? Stop avoiding things and focus your energy on coming towards me. So true. And so perseverance 
really comes down to a renewing of our mind. But the other piece is acknowledging that we can't do this on our own. Like right. we can't. The disciples proved this over and over. They literally walked with Jesus and heard with from Jesus for years, and they still didn't understand it and didn't get it. The reason that they were able to continue to persevere is because of the Holy Spirit working in and through them, that they realize I am not enough, but thank goodness God is enough. Right. And that's the other piece. If we really want to persevere, we've got to acknowledge that, yep, we can't do this. Mm. I will never be strong enough, sparring enough, respected enough, resourced enough to do what I think I need to do. I will never be enough. And God will always be enough. And so I am willing to die to myself (laughs) and say, God, here I am. And then take the next step and then the next step, because I will still be a human with a human brain and human thoughts and Mm -hmm. human logic. And I will still have moments where I I look and I'm like, there's nowhere to step. Right. right. And God's like, yeah, okay. But I want you to step. And I still will have to choose to step for the rest of my life. I will still have to choose to step. But the more we step into the crazy faith, the more we begin to recognize that even if we can't see a surface to land on, right. We realized there were times where we'd still landed. And so maybe this time will be like that. I'm right. still scared. I still don't know, but all right, God, I'm stepping towards you. And, and even if I fall, mm-hmm. I can know at least I'm falling towards God. So right. that is <laughs> so <we> go. true. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think perspective is definitely what I'm learning as well. I think that I'm learning to view life differently, just all together. Like part of my whole mental health situation is because of the way that I was trying to fit myself into a specific box. So I, I went to school, I got the full-time job, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And like, my brain was just like, we're not doing this anymore. Like we're done. And so it literally, like it had physical effects on me and I'm just not able to drive. I'm not able to do things. And at first I was just like, well, how am I going to function? Like I'm, I literally just turned 30. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I barely have lived any of my life. Why is my body already like giving up on me? <laughs> yeah. And I've had to kind of change my perspective to what is God trying to lead me to? What is he trying to show me? Because I constantly pray like, oh God, lead me. God, show me where you want me to go. But then as soon as I get there, I'm like freaking out like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I can't do this. This isn't the way I meant to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to hear that perspective is definitely I feel like the key point um and you also touched on another topic that you had talked about where you said that God doesn't care about your job so I wanted you to elaborate on that yeah yeah so uh the job that I had um prior to this for five years was there is actually several roles that I had. I was doing a lot of videography. I was running service groups, but one of the big parts of my job was around internships. And mm-hmm. we would bring in spring break break. We would bring in spring break groups. We would do summer internships. We would do year long internships. And what that meant is that I was spending a lot of time year after year after year with a bunch of young adults who were either in or just finishing college and were wrestling with this idea of what, what am I supposed to do next? On two levels, they were all, for the most part, coming from places where they uh, identified as Christian, and so they wanted to seek God. And particularly for those who were on the back end of college or finishing out, they were wrestling with calling. Okay, no, what what does God want me to do? What am I supposed Mm -hmm. to do? I have to figure it out, and I don't know. And so what's wrong with me or what's wrong with God? They're wrestling with all that. 
And they're also working through just the very human thinking of, I have to have a job, I have to make money, I have to have a respectable career. So what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be a doctor? Am I supposed to be a lawyer? Am I supposed to be right. a teacher? What do my parents want me to do? What are other people expected me to do? What is accessible to me? What am I good at? And they're wrestling with all these pieces. And identity gets really attached to the thing that they are going to be doing. Right. But if they can't figure out what they're going to do, they, then they can't figure out who they are. Mm. And if they start doing the thing and they find out they're not good at it or it doesn't work out or they lose the job, well, now they've lost their identity. Right. And, and so, you know, when I was still in that job, uh, I was thinking about identity a lot. And there were a lot of people that were misidentifying me, uh, assuming things about me that weren't true, uh, assuming ways that I operated that weren't accurate. Mm. And I really wrestled with having to, feeling like I had to prove myself. Right. And what God was telling me is that there's this one specific moment that happened where uh, it was easily one of the hardest meetings in that, that time. Uh, it was about a year before I lost the job. And there was no clear way forward, no logical way forward in which it would be, it had already become a very unhealthy work environment, but mm -hmm. I could not, <laughs> I could not keep on going. And yet for years, when I would say, God, I want to leave, this is right. unfair. This is unjust. What's happening is not right. God's like, I understand. I know. And I want to invite you to stay mm -hmm. like God. And then it was a similar prayer as the house is God would sometimes say, I want you to stay and things aren't going to get better. Right. <laughs> right? So it's like, and so I hit this point where it's like, I, I do not see a way forward, but I feel like God's telling me to stay. And it actually came out verbally because one of my spiritual fathers and a pastor was in that meeting. And he's like, mm. uh, you know, so Paul, and he, he didn't say it in these words, but basically said, uh, you don't work for this person. You don't work for this entity. You work for God. God is your boss. So what is your boss God telling you to do? Right. Because right. prior to that point, I identified with my job, I identified as someone who works for this person. So my boss is the one who shapes <laughs> who I am and how I'm understood. And I have to fix his understanding in order for my work environment to be healthy. And like all right. of these like very logical ways of thinking right. that makes right. sense when you do work a job for a person. But then when he said that something shifted because I realized, oh, that, I mean, if I'm saying that I'm, a, I'm an ambassador of Christ, then I do work for God. I have right. this sub responsibility in this specific place, but if I lose this job, I'm never going to lose my job working for God. Right. So what that means is that God, you know, God has, he has, he cares about what you do and all that. But as far as like, your job, he cares more about you being an ambassador of Christ than he does about you being a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a retail right. worker, or like he wants you to fulfill your job of being an ambassador of Christ, wherever your human job is. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized that, when I realized that God doesn't care whether I have this job or I lose it, he cares about me seeking him, everything shifted. When right. I realized that I worked for God and not this person, I no longer had to please this boss because by that point I had learned pretty solidly that I could not prove myself to him. Right. I had gone out of my way to try to do everything right. And I was being accused of things that I hadn't even done or I didn't do wrong or that he did. And I'm like, so I cannot fix this. 
So why am I still trying to fix this? Right. <laughs> Instead, what if I actually just focused on my real boss, God? And I mean, this is the invitation for all of us. And what it does is it opens up an opportunity that whatever state that we are in, whether we are unemployed or employed, whether we love our job or we hate it, whether we're in our niche or we're doing things we don't know how to do, if we're just thinking in a human mindset of, I work at this place, then yeah, right. it's going to come down to us and our capacity, mm -hmm. or it's going to come down to others and <laughs> their understanding of our capacity right. or what they put <laughs> on us. But if our job is working for God, then we can go into our functional jobs and work for God in those spaces mm. and, and everything can change. And yeah. what I mean by that is sometimes functionally, everything can change. Right? right. Like suddenly we can find joy in that space or things can get fixed. And I experienced some of those things, but sometimes things don't change. I also experienced things getting worse to the point where I was fired and not given a reason. Right. Like, right. Right. But I was content because I realized it does not matter whether I have or lose this job. If I understand that my true job is an ambassador of Christ. I love that. I feel like I can't add anything to that. <laughs> I feel like that was perfectly said. Um, it's funny because as you talk, I relate so much to your story. And, and I don't want to keep bringing up my stuff because I feel like on my podcast, I bring it up. This so is much. your podcast. You bring it all up. <laughs> but I just feel like it just the way that our stories are so similar is mind blowing to me. Like before I lost my recent job, I had just left a job with an abusive work environment. I was there for six years. I hated every minute of it. And I kept going until I literally just couldn't anymore. Yeah. And that's when I started my new job. But then that's when my mental health issues jumped in. It was like my body said, no, we still don't want this. So it's just amazing like how our stories just, I feel like they're just so similar. I know they're very mm -hmm. different, but they're also very similar at the same time. And it's just so cool to see the way that God works. Like I'm in Connecticut, you're in Virginia. Like it's just yeah. two totally different lifestyles as well. So that's just really cool. Um, I don't think I had any other questions. I think the only well, other question, go ahead. Well, I was just saying to, to add to what you're just saying, I think this is the reason why God invites us to tell stories. Yes. Because, you know, we we are just, we are conditioned to be very self-sufficient and individualized. Mm -hmm. And we are also conditioned to only present that which is finished and beautifully packaged. So right. if we're going to share a story, it's got to be ready to share mm -hmm. and it's got to sound good and look good. And we got to be good at sharing it. And so we will just sit in our hard moments. Yes, we will struggle with finding God in things because we can't make any sense of this story right. and, and we're keeping it to ourselves because we're also told to like project strength and confidence and this right. and the other. And so what I found, this is the other thing I found working with a whole bunch of young adults is I realized that we're inviting them in coming from hard spaces of being in that stage of life and don't know what's going on into serving in, uh, in ministry, which is also very hard. Right. And like right. they need to have some consistent spiritual touch points. So I would make it a point to meet with each one individually consistently so that at the very least they knew every two weeks they would be able to sit down and process what God's doing. Right. And in that I would hear them share these hard things. And I can't tell you how many times they would share something feeling like they were so alone. And mm -hmm. I'm in my head, like, you have no idea that the person that you, you live with in your house, your roommate 
is going through the same thing. Right. Sometimes because of confidentiality, I couldn't straight out say right, that. Right. I have to find creative ways to connect the dots. <laughs> Sometimes I could, I could say, hey, you think you're alone in this, but so-and-so just shared the exact same thing. You two need to come together and, and process together, right? Right. And so like you, when I lost my job, that's when my podcast started. So 2018, I did it because I felt like God was, first inviting me to be transparent. Right. And exactly. I didn't want to be, I did not yes. want to put my stuff out there, but it started off with like some Facebook posts, writing things, processing. And I felt like I was saying, Hey, I want you to start a podcast. Well, it I knew it was him because I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't mm. like podcasts. I didn't want to do a podcast. And again, I didn't want to put my business out there, but right. <laughs> I gave an invitation. So I did it. And what I felt like I wanted to do is not create this thing that would just become this global thing, right? right? And all these listeners, right? Because that's what you're conditioned to think when you start a podcast. It's about listeners. It's about mm -hmm. spread. It's about, God's like, that's not what this is about. Right. This is about creating space to process me, whether it's just you processing it or you and a guest processing it or somebody listening to the conversation process. Right. Not about numbers. This is not about reach. If at the end of this one person, comes to know me a little right. deeper than you, however much, however many years I tell you to do this will be worth it. Right. So right. as I've been doing this, what you expressed of like, man, like our stories are connected. Like I've seen that happen so many times. That's so cool. There have been times where I'm, you know, I'm the host, I'm supposed to be, you know, kind of <laughs> in this separate space the person shares and I guide their kind of, like, there've been times where I have been impacted and touched uh, times uh, there's one episode in this current season that we're doing. Uh, I say we're, it's me by myself. This current <laughs> season I'm doing uh, focused on the concept of healing from miraculous recoveries to unanswered prayers and how we can see God in the midst. And I had a guest, Andrina, she was talking about unforgiveness mm. and we had some shared experiences and there would be things that she would say that just would trigger something in me in a hard, but good way. And then I would yeah. start to process that. And she's like, oh man, now I'm getting triggered. And we had this like really hard, but valuable conversation where we're working out our own junk <laughs> in right. a really beautiful way, because it's under this framework of God providing that space and God speaking. Exactly. Into that space. And so what you and I have experienced and what your listeners are getting to experience by listening to it is something that God has given us the gift of he's we're made in the image of God and right. God at the very beginning, we see him as creator. So we're made in the image of a creator. We are right. made to create. And our stories are one of the easiest things that God has given us mm -hmm. to create. And so we are given this chance to process out what is happening, how I understand it. And there are definitely unhealthy ways to do that. Right. And so one of the things that I've learned is how do I take all of my thoughts captive unto the authority of Christ? Right. How do I die to self? And as I'm doing this, because those hard moments, those hard times in that job, there are a lot of ways I could have told that story throughout that time. And even right. now, there's a lot of anger that could come out. I'm still angry about certain things. I'm yeah. still broken about certain things. I'm still wounded by certain things. And if I just operate without dying to my own pride or my own self of my own sense of justice or dying to my own desires, then I could shape the story in such a way that I'm trying to get something. I'm trying to right. get a reaction. I'm trying to get an apology. I'm trying to get it mm -hmm. fixed. If I die to that and say, God, I, I, I want this to be for your glory. <laughs> I don't understand how any of this is for your glory, but I want it to be then right. I can step into it in a very different way. Right. So what we're doing and what other people have the opportunity to do is to, in 
under God's authority through the spirit, create and share together. And then we can live out these verses that say, comfort those with the yes. comfort you've received, share in the suffering of Christ with, and share together in this. Like there is this communal thing that we are told about in scripture over and over and over that we miss out on when we stifle right. what God is prompting in our minds. When we hide the questions that we want to ask because we're scared to ask them when we don't share our struggles because we're embarrassed of what people think of us. Right. Meanwhile, God's like, you have no idea that that person that you almost shared it with is in that same place and could have been comforted by knowing that they weren't alone. Right. So God's given us a gift. It's up to us whether we want to receive it or not. That is so true. I love that. I love this conversation. <laughs> I think that everything that you talked about totally lines up with everything that I'm going through. And it's funny because even when you're talking about how you started your podcast, it's literally the same for me. Yeah. I started to do one then I was like, no, maybe not. And then it was just like, I have all these things I want to share. And I'm like, okay, God, like, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just going to start sharing it. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't know if anybody's even going to listen, but mm -hmm. it's been really encouraging to just see the way that God has been working. Like people have been coming with you. Oh my gosh, I really love your podcast. And I'm like, Oh, you're listening. Thanks. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just trying to do what God's telling me to do. And so it's just really encouraging to just hear your story and hear how you've kind of been through the same path and gone through the same things and God's totally blessing it. So I'm excited to see where it goes from here. And I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Likewise, this has been really great. And I appreciate you and, and just, yeah. Uh, can I pray for you real quick? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I mean, the space that you're in is, is a hard one. And yet it's also can be a beautiful one when we recognize God is always in the midst. He goes before he's with us. He's with us after. Right. Um, right. So yeah, God, I just thank you for this connection, um, for this interaction. Yeah. And I just pray that there would be a deepening understanding of your presence and your activity. Um, and even the hardest moments, I thank you for words like uh, the Apostle Paul's that we could be content in all situations, um, because that means in even the worst of situations, we can be content, we can find full life, we can find fullness. So I pray for this. I pray, I pray for it in terms of the unemployment. I pray for it in, in terms of uh, mental health. I pray for it in the terms of the podcast, all these things. Um, I just pray that you would show yourself in really clear and beautiful ways, subtle ways um, every day so that... Um, that she, that listeners, that her family, that her friends, that everybody um, can come to know you more deeply than we knew you a moment ago. Let's pray his holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Discovering Me. I hope that you are inspired and spurred on toward a deeper connection with God. If you're looking for a church in the Southern Connecticut area, search Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. And don't forget, tune in next Monday for a new episode. And always remember to faithfully pursue a life of passion.